Um, Pastor Charlie is uh, in uh, on the island of Hispaniola in the country of Haiti today, representing our church with three or four other folks. And I was uh, just thinking about Pastor Charlie that I'm in church today with air conditioning, and he's not. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to pause and pray, pray for those guys as they're there. And I uh, see Jared there too. And uh, do they have air conditioning? But they do have something I'm surprised by. Do you notice anything they have? Do you see the electricity? Do you see that? That's pretty amazing. How many of you have ever been to Haiti before? Anybody? So here in Williamson County, um, we have some expectations, don't we? Um, There are some things that we expect um, our communities, our city, and our governments to provide for us, right? What are some of those expectations? And this is where you get to participate. Now, if Pastor Charlie were here, it would be more of a rhetorical question, and he really doesn't want you to give an answer. I'm not Pastor Charlie. I'm trying to fill time because he is the great speaker and I am just a lowly judge that is filling in for him uh, on this Sunday morning. But here in Williamson County, what are some of those expectations that you have in your community? What are they? Water. We expect water, don't we? And we expect it to be clean, pure water, right? Ah, Give me just a second. Yep. All right. What are some of those other expectations that we have in our community? What are they? trash picked up at our door, right? I hadn't thought about that, but we expect that, right? And uh, some other expectations we have in our community is what? What are those? Electricity. And how many of you were proud when you got up this morning and you got to use your chi to curl your hair, flatten your hair, or men, you were able to look in the mirror and shave, and you liked the lights wherever you were at, so you were able to do that? How many of you didn't shave this morning and your wife has talked to you about that or your husband's talked to you about that already? All right? So what are some other expectations you have, right? What what else do you have as far as expectations by living, let's say, in Williamson County, Texas? What are your expectations? What are they? Plumbing? Good judges? Yeah, well, that's that's good. We expect justice, don't we? Right? Uh, And I know the joke, I hear it all the time, I came to Williamson County on vacation, I left on probation, I I hear that all of the time. Um, And by the way, I think it's important uh, uh, for judges uh, and for our um, officials that handle law enforcement that we not be known for being tough on crime, but that we as judges be known for being fair. It's important that we follow the law, right? Right? So, I think that's important. You got really quiet when I said that. You'll think about it all day and it'll get to you. So, when you think about what are your other expectations you have in in your community here? Police security. security. Yep. I heard uh, Chief Nero speak the other day for the Georgetown PD. said we were rated the second safest city in uh, in America of over 50,000 people or more. That's outstanding, isn't it? Right? Pretty, pretty good record to have. I have to tell you, though, that as uh, the justice of the peace here, the person who signs all the, uh, the, or the bulk of the felony arrest warrants in Williamson County, I, I would tell you that we are just on such a thin line between good and evil that you have no idea how close we are to that line, and you have no idea how depraved and evil our community and people can be at times. Uh, Edmund Burke once said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Those are good words, right? So I'm thinking about water, right? And uh, I'm thinking about water today because when we go to the tap here, and I'm seeing some things float in this, might have had to do with the fact that I didn't wash the cup out like somebody's wife might have told them to do. But um, 
I go to the water fountain, right, and I fill it up and I expect clean water. Isn't that an expectation that you have? You also expect no parasites in there as well, right? So my family and I, we lived on the island of Hispaniola for um, a year. Um, our daughter was in her senior year, our son was in the sophomore year, and we were on the eastern side of the island. We were in Porta Plata of the Dominican Republic. And while we were in Porta Plata, and if you don't know where that is, how many of you saw the original Jurassic Park? The original movie Jurassic Park. How many of you are too young and you don't even know what the word Jurassic Park means? You have missed life, children. I'm just saying that. Anyway, that original movie, Jurassic Park, the beautiful lush green scenes that are filmed there, they were filmed not too far from where we lived. But we learned while we were in a third world country that there are three expectations that are very, very important. And let me tell you what they are. Number one is security. Very important. Um, number two is clean water. And number three, when we had it, we did the happy dance. It was called electricity. And the, the water there was so impure, and they did not have the processes or the systems to uh, keep the water pure that you were just grateful when you had electricity to run the pumps to run the water, and you were just grateful to be able to take a shower. But the water that you consumed, you would always have to purchase bottled water. We had a, a, a little Mitsubishi truck, and it would be nothing for us to go in and pick up 12 or 15 bottles of water, the big bottles of water, and, and go through those easily in a week. Because you had to use them to, to wash your dishes with, you had to use them to eat with, and when you have two teenagers, they consume a lot of water. Uh, there were also times, too, that we didn't have electricity, and the best we could do is go down to the swimming pool and take a bar of soap, and we could bathe there. So when you live in a third world country, your expectations are pretty fundamental. Security was a big deal to us. Um, our daughters here, our sons here, they were, uh, they were only arrested a couple of times while we were uh, on the island of Hispaniola. And uh, it wasn't really an arrest. They were just detained until we could give enough pesos to the officers to release them. In America, we call that extortion. In a third world country, you call that common practice. Well, today we're talking about purity of the heart and purity in the home. And I was thinking about the water. Why is it so important for us to have pure water? It's so no impurities get within us. And when there are no impurities within us, we're, we survive, we thrive, and we're protected, right? What do you think God looks at when he looks at you in your heart? Does he see a pure heart? Or does he see one that's a little murky? Or does he see one, perhaps, that has a level of depravity or evil within it? What does God see when God looks at your heart? Well, today we're going to talk about purity of heart and uh, the importance of that and how important that is in your home. And I would also ask a little grace on your part. And by the way, I found a really good graphic. Did we show the graphic with the water drop on it? I really like that. Um, it's just a, a, a pure, um, surely that's character generated, you know, with the heart. But uh, if you'll notice the heart, around the base of the heart, what do you see? I see a crown. Am I seeing things or do you see those things? Do you see the crown? Does anybody see the crown? Yeah. Am I the only one who sees the crown? Those of you that saw the crown, how many of you see the crown? How many of you don't see the crown? All right. Well, look harder. It's there, I promise. Well, as we uh, talk about um, purity of heart, and uh, I just wrote down a few statements that I thought were important um, for us, and then we'll get to the three points of today. And uh, I, I, think, uh, I think you could walk away from today, and perhaps God could teach you something. Um, the three simple uh, 
thoughts that I wanted to share in the beginning were this. A, a heart that is pure is capable of loving someone who is unlovable. A heart that is pure is capable of loving someone that is unlovable. I believe you can't have a pure heart unless you have a relationship with Christ, right? But a heart that is pure is capable of loving someone that is unlovable. Now, how many of you in your workplace or in your home, and I'll mesh those together so we're not calling anybody out, right? How many of you in your workplace or your home, you have somebody that's unlovable? All right. How many of you have somebody that's unlovable that's seated right beside you right now? I'm kidding. Don't, don't do that. But on occasion, we have people that are unlovable in our life. And by the way, let me just ask a deep probing question. I bet nobody's ever asked you before. Perhaps at times, are you the one that's unlovable? No, not me. My husband, yes. Me, no. Um, there are times in my life when I'm unlovable. Can I tell you when I'm unlovable? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm 50 years old. I'm a judge. I should be more mature than this. But I'm really unlovable, and, and, and I, I've got to have food. I'm grumpy until I eat. So feed me and uh, stay away. Feed me and I will be good. Uh, I'm a little unlovable in the morning. And uh, this is just a bad habit I have in my life. Many of you are pure, I am certain. I'm a little unlovable until I get some caffeine in my system. Give me a pot of coffee and we can rock, right? If, if you want a court ruling before my first cup of coffee, it may not turn out well for you. <laughs> right? Fair enough? Um, you know, it's like the judges who magistrate at the jail at 4.30 or 5 in the morning, and the inmates are going, man, they're putting us all in jail. I don't know why. And I'm going, I don't know either. A heart that is pure is capable of loving the unlovable. Secondly, I think a heart that is pure is able to look beyond a person's fault and see their potential greatness. And these aren't our three key points. These are just some thoughts that I wrote down. A heart that is pure is able to look beyond a person's fault and see their potential greatness. I, uh, the court that I lead here in Williamson County on the Justice of the Peace in Precinct 3 we're the 20th busiest court in the entire state of Texas. In the last two years, we've uh, handled over 35,000 court cases, and through my courtroom, we've handled uh, over 12,000 cases. So I see a lot of cases that come before me. And I follow the law. If you violate the law and you admit to that, we um, make you aware of the consequences to that, and we try to find a corrective path to help you get where you no longer break the law. Right? Same thing, as, uh, same thing at home with the kids when they're little or when they're teenagers, right? I think one gift the Lord's given me, and I'm, I don't mind being an elected official here in Williamson County, and I don't mind being a Christian, because I believe we need people of faith leading our community. Matter of fact, let me make this statement. I'm not sure how you can be a judge and not be a person of faith. With the serious and grave things that you deal with, faith is very important to me. I don't rule based upon my faith. I rule based upon the laws here in Texas, but it's my faith that drives me personally in who I am, right? I have to tell you, though, when I see people before me, and I deal with a lot of juvenile-related crime, when I see people that are before me, and I see young people that are before me, I see the offense that they've committed, but I think the Lord's given me the innate ability to look beyond that offense and to see their potential greatness. Some of you, with your own kids, 
all you do at times is see the offense that they've committed, and you don't look beyond that and see their potential greatness. Perhaps you're a little too close to the situation. Some of you in your marriage relationship, you, your, your marriages are struggling, and you don't see the potential greatness in your spouse. You just see their faults. The third uh, simple thought I had, and we really haven't even gotten into the message. We're just in the introduction. Isn't this fun? Is that the heart that is pure has no selfish motives. It only wants to bless those that are around it. Do you have a pure heart? And a great barometer of that is based upon your motives. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says this, a heart, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond all cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, I search the heart and I examine the mind. A couple of central truths that Charlie shared last week and we'll share today and we'll share next week and then the following week when the pastor returns are this. We are not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. Can you say that about your home? So let's talk about how we create a culture of purity in our home. The three truths that I want to share with you today are this. Number one, you need to get your own heart right with God. And how are you doing with that? You need to get your own heart right with God. So I, uh, I didn't grow up in the church. I uh, grew up in Round Rock, uh, not too far from here. I grew up in Round Rock when it was actually one of the smallest cities in Williamson County. For that fact, the big town in Williamson County at that time was Taylor, Texas. Anybody remember back those days that far back? I remember that uh, a hot day for us in, in uh, Round Rock was when we would go all the way to the big city of Austin to Capitol Plaza, and we would go to the Montgomery Wards there. And that was like a 30-mile drive. I mean, it was far, far away. Lake Lion Mall, how many of you love Lake Lion Mall? Been deer hunting there before. <laughs> Just wanted you to know that. How many of you uh, like uh, the Round Rock Hospital, Round Rock St. David's? You know where that's at? Off of Smyers Lane? Carol Smyers' property. Been hunting many a days there. Well, the community shifted and changed. But, but as a kid, I grew up here, and, and I didn't... Um, I didn't become a person of faith until I was 16 years old. And as a 16-year-old kid, I uh, realized that there was something that others had that I was missing. And what it was was a relationship with Christ. I, I looked at my own heart, and what I saw in my heart wasn't pure. It wasn't good. My, my motives weren't right. I saw a selfish person who was hopeless, and at the age of 16 years old, I remember getting on my knees. I, I uh, went to First Baptist Church in Round Rock, Texas, and we were in the bridal suite. Do you remember years ago when churches used to have bridal suites? I'll never forget because I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart on some really ugly blue carpet. I remember that vividly. Bridal suite blue, whatever color that is. And I don't remember getting up from my knees after I'd invited Christ into my heart that I felt an immense difference. But what I do remember is this. That night when I went home and I went to sleep after I shared with my family the decision I made to follow Christ, the one thing I remember vividly is that for the first time in my life, I went to sleep and I wasn't stressed. I found peace in my heart and I found joy because I had found a relationship with Christ. If you want to create a culture of purity in your home, I would tell you this. The first thing you have to do is you have to get your own heart right with God. 
And I believe you have to come to know Christ. Proverbs chapter 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And I, I would tell you as well, when you have to get your own heart right with God, there are times in our lives that as believers, as Christians, that we get out of tune with God. Is that a good way of saying we're not following God or walking with God or being obedient to the Lord? But there are times in our life that as believers, we make life choices that our heart gets murky. It's not clear. It's not pure. Our motives become selfish. And I, I really thought about whether I should say this and whether I had the uh, permission to say this with you. And so I want to say it cautiously. What I often encounter in court are adults who do not have pure hearts because they have allowed depravity and evil into their life. And, and I want you to know this, and I, and, and I think I really want to say this to the men more than I want to say it to anybody else. Men, you, you are the keeper of your home. And it is your responsibility to protect the purity within the home. And it's your responsibility, men, to protect the purity within your children. But men, let me make this clear to you. You better make sure you have your own heart and that it's right and that it's pure with God. And men, I want you to know this, and uh, I put it down, but I, I want to pick it up if I don't get feedback. But men, I want you to know this. The, the, the greatest tool or path to impurity in your heart is this stupid thing right here with the internet. And men, not to the ladies, because I'm not a lady, I can't speak to you, but, but men, let me say this. If, if you're a man of faith and God is important to you, you need to make sure that what you do here on social media is pure. You need to make sure that what you do here with texting and tweeting and, and Instagramming your mama and what all of that stuff means, you need to make sure that it's pure and that it's right. And men, I want you to know that I, I believe that the greatest tool to destroy purity within the home is the internet. Now I want you to hear me out. Don't just go all crazy on me here. Men, you've got to guard your own heart, right? And ladies, you need to work hard to guard your heart too. But I believe that there are things that are available through the internet that can destroy the purity within our heart. Conversely, I think there are great things through the internet that can maintain and create purity within our heart. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I no longer carry my Bible because I have 37 versions right here. I do my daily devotion on my phone because it's right here. So the, the resource that can be a blessing in our life can also be something that can destroy our life. Wouldn't you agree? And so let me just ask, I've already jumped off the ledge and made a, a general statement, but how many of you have seen the internet or some part of that destroy the purity within a home, whether you've seen it personally, uh, indirectly, or someone in the workplace, in the community, or your school. How many of you have seen that? And, and, and the, reason, the reason why I'm bringing it up is, is, is because you've got to have, first of all, you've got to have a pure heart. And if you know Christ, you have to work diligently to maintain that pure heart. I... Uh, I uh, work for Williamson County, and uh, I have learned that you can get on the Internet. But on the Internet, there are some things you can't do. They've blocked some of the places that you can go and some of the things you can do. I think that's a good thing. 
And, and men, I think that's a good thing within your own life if that's a struggle for you that you figure out how to block those things because men, hear me say this. If you can't protect your own heart, if you can't maintain purity in your own heart, how in the world can you maintain purity and protect your own home? And men, I want you to know this, that we are in a battle. We are in a battle between that which is good and that which is evil. And men, you must maintain that which is good first in your own heart and then translate that into your home. You got to get your own heart right. Secondly, the second truth, and I love this, you got to parent to the heart. How many of you have kids or grandkids? How many of you think you have too many kids or grandkids? Yeah, well, that's your problem. You did it, right? You got a parent to the heart. Uh, I want to share this verse with you. First Samuel chapter uh, one, uh, or first, cham- first Samuel chapter sixteen, verse seventeen says this: The Lord does not look at all the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Pastor Charlie and I were um, talking, and by the way, Charlie, I don't know if you know him. Um, I think he and Amanda are amazing people. They have four kids. They have triplets. All right? I've, now, let me just say this with all due respect. My wife and I, we've had kids, we've had grandkids, and we now have a golden retriever. If I could go back and do it in the sequential order that has provided the greatest joy in my life, here's how I would prefer this order to go. First, golden retriever. <laughs> Secondly, grandkids. And you'll get the rest of that later. <laughs> Pastor Charlie and Amanda are amazing, but here's what Charlie says, talking about parenting to the heart. In, in the Turner home, they have this word, you obey the first time with a happy heart. You obey the first time with a happy heart. And let me say this, um, and, and I, I want to say this with love. If you do not parent to the heart of your child, then someday I will. And I can assure you that I am not the person that is the best person to be involved in the lives of parenting to the heart of your children. The other day, our granddaughter, uh, who calls me Pow Pow, she's two years old, she's Brindley, she is here in one of the classrooms, certainly tearing something up this morning in a loving way. But the other day, uh, Brindley was at the house, and uh, she did something that was inappropriate. I don't remember what it was, but uh, it was inappropriate. And um, her mother um, made her go and stand in the corner for time out. And, of course, as a grandfather, I thought, that's cruel. Leave the child alone. It's my house. Let her do what she wants. But as a good grandpa, let me tell you this. As a good grandpa, you always support your kids. And they are always right when it comes to grandkids. Did you hear what I said, grandparents? You always support your kid, and they are always right. Well, Brindley did something wrong, and Cammie, our daughter, put Brindley in timeout. And I'm looking at my little granddaughter, who's not, you know, two and a half, three feet tall, and she's got these big, huge cat tears just pouring down her face. My heart's ripping apart. She's crying and screaming. And her mother, listen to this, her mother is standing just three or four feet away, and she's standing there watching her daughter. And her daughter turns around, and her mother, in gentleness and kindness, says, Brindley, you need to turn back around and stand in the corner. And when I was a kid growing up, you did something wrong. You know what daddy would say? He'd say, boy, go get the belt. 
and you'd go get your dad's belt, he would whip you. Now, there, there, it seems a little odd that you would go and get your dad's belt, but he'd say, boy, go get the belt. And then my dad would say these old famous words, you remember this, son, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. Remember that? We parent in different ways. We parent with spanking. We parent with placing our kids in the corner. But, but let me say this. We better parent to the heart because we want our children to have pure hearts. What I noticed when Cammie had Brindley standing in the corner is that it took time and energy on behalf of that mama to discipline her child. But I want you to know this, moms and dads. If you're not disciplining them when they're two years old, Guess who's going to get to discipline them when they're 16 years old? You discipline by putting them in the corner. I discipline by this. Which would you prefer? Parent to the heart. And I think parent to the heart, too. The cool thing that I I loved about watching my daughter with my granddaughter, it's amazing when you see your kids grow up and become adults, isn't it? I'll never forget my daughter getting down on her knees going, Cammie, Cammie saying to Brinley, Brinley, I love you, but you're going to listen to mama, aren't you? And parents, I want you to say this. Uh, I want you to understand this. Some of you as parents struggle. How many of you struggle with being a parent? I mean, you've got kids that are, that are tough. How many of you have at least two teenagers and you're grateful at night when they're asleep and you can go to bed with peace and quiet, Right? How many of you, your kids think that you put a lock on the door for sex, but the truth is you put a lock on the door so they would stay out of there and you could go somewhere and hide safely, right? Okay, you're not laughing, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? But let me say this, parents, we are in a war with our kids. And if we want a pure home, we have to first have a pure heart. We have to parent to the heart of our kids. But parenting to the heart of our kids is not by becoming their best friend. Did you know that? And parents, I want to say this to you. The worst thing that this judge sees that parents do on a regular basis in my court is parents buy them too much stuff. I remember the first time I was in Haiti, we were at a garbage dump. And they were at a garbage dump sorting through the garbage. And as they were sorting through the garbage, a pastor said to me, he said, he said Bill, you know the difference between your country and my country, talking about the Haitian culture and the American culture? He said, in your country, in America, you love things. In our country, we love each other. And parents, I would really challenge you, if you want to parent to the heart of your kids, invest time in the lives of your kids. And I don't know if it's a concern on anybody's part, but when's the last time you've been to Applebee's or Chili's or just a local restaurant, and you've looked over and you saw a family of four all sitting there, and they're all on the phone doing the phone thing. And I'm going, well, what's wrong with you people? Can't you put that down and talk one to another? When your kid has to text you from their bedroom to do something, I believe that that's the time that you take the cell phone and the ball-peen hammer that you own. And parents, don't forget this. You own this. If you're paying the bills, you own it. And if this has become more important than God and it's compromising purity in your home, let me encourage you in Jesus' name, take that ball hammer ball-peen hammer and smash the daylights out of this thing. Your kid's going to be all right. They may whine and pout for three or four days, but that's going to give you three or four days of peace and quiet, right? You're not laughing, but you'll get it later. All right, last truth is this, pretty simple. You need to pursue perfect purity of the heart. Pursue perfect purity 
of the heart. Ephesians 5.3 says this, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because they are improper for God's holy people. Pursue perfect purity of heart. You know, one scripture that has always stood out to me is that the scripture says not only do you need to abstain from evil, but it says even the appearance of evil. Pursuing a perfect heart means that you're not in an environment or a situation where anybody could see that or view that inappropriately. So what about you? When you look at your heart today, are you seeing a pure and perfect heart? That's clear that when the Lord looks through that, He sees a reflection of Himself? Or are you seeing one that's a little murky? That might need to have a little cleaning up going on. Here in just a second, after I pray, we're going to do something called take two. And that's where we take two minutes and you look at your heart, you reflect upon the words that have been shared, and you just jot down a few thoughts uh, that the Lord's placed on your heart, perhaps steps you need to take to regain personal purity, or steps you need to take to regain purity in the lives of your children, or steps you need to take to continue to pursue purity and to follow the Lord. After the take two, Stephen's going to come back up and we're going to do the offering. And for those of you that are here today that are first-time guests, on behalf of our pastor from Haiti, I want to say thank you for being here. And I also want to remind you that if you're offended by today's message, the great news is he'll be back in a couple of weeks and it will get a whole lot better. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we love you. And I thank you, Father, that we can come to you, that we can seek you. And God, that you speak clearly to our heart. Father, there are impurities even within my own life, Lord. And I pray that you ferret those out as you need to. And God, that I would change my path and my direction. And Lord, for the ones that are here today that are looking at their own heart and they see impurities there. God, give them the ability to know how to correct those. And Father, for us here today who need to do a little better job on parenting to the heart of our kids, help us, Lord, to realize that what we do with our children will dramatically impact their future and the rest of their life. God, here in just a moment as we take two, speak clearly to our hearts and help us very reverently to listen to you and to walk away from this place changed. For it is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Take two. Look at your own heart.